He must have the preeminence. Christ must be first and he must be the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And if we leave here this evening by having Christ revealed through the scriptures, then we'll leave here the better, the better for ourselves, the better in our walk with the Lord. Show us Christ. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now that you would use my voice, my lips. Use me, Father, for your glory. We thank you for the, the words, Lord, of the songs that we have been listening to. We thank you for the words of the songs that we've been singing to. But now, Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would take your own word and inscribe it within every heart and imprint it upon every mind. God, may we leave here the better for being here. We pray, Father, if there's one that is not yet born of the Spirit and washed in the blood and has not yet made Jesus their own personal Savior, we pray this evening, Lord, that thy Spirit would quicken the hearts and the souls of men or women and draw them to Calvary. Draw them under the blood Draw them to the foot of the old rugged cross. And there, Lord, may they find repentance unto life. Lord, may they receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save the soul. So help us in our weakness this evening, Lord, and glorify thine own name. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Will you turn with me, please? To 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you have your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We just want to read from verse 1 to verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning to read at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The Apostle is writing to the church at Corinth. You may as well say he's writing to us, for this word is unchangeable. Inspired by God for every one of us this evening. And he says, I declare unto you the gospel, the good news. Every time we turn up here, we hear good news. We hear how a man and a woman are lost and undone and dead in their sins and in their trespasses. How they are, have a depraved nature which cannot save themselves. We hear the gospel. The good news is that Christ has come to pay our debt. Christ has come to shed his precious blood. Christ has come as our substitute and the sacrifice for our sins once forever. And so the good news is the man and the woman who hear the word who receive the word of God, who hear this good news of the gospel of saving grace found 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that that man and woman who are trusting in him, they are saved. There are those that the apostle tells us in verse 2 who have, pardon me, yes, in verse 2, who have believed in vain. In vain. I trust tonight there's no one here who has believed in vain. In other words, they have heard the word with some sort of experience, said they believed the word, but went out unsaved the same way they came in unsaved. The word didn't find the lodging place in the heart. The word didn't find a place for it to rest, to grow roots down in, and to grow up and flourish fruits coming from. Notice here there are those who have believed and truly believed in the gospel of saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are those who have believed in vain. I trust tonight you have believed, not in vain, but in the fullness of truth, that our Lord Jesus Christ has come, and he has paid your debt, and you've put and placed your trust in him alone. You may wonder, why did Christ come? He came to die. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't an accident, but he came to die. One might say, well, why did Christ die? First of all, look at this in verse 3. It says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that? Notice, Christ died for our sins. Why did the Lord Jesus Christ come? He came and he died for our sins. Tells me, that if we could pay for our sins any other way, it tells me if there was any other method to give for our sins that we could do, then we just need to do it. That if we could work harder, then we could be saved. But no, alas, it says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Scriptures Paul speaks of as the Old Testament. The Old Testament tells us in Psalm 22 of a coming Redeemer who would die on the cross of Calvary. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? saith the psalmist in Psalm 22 in verse 1. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ cried it on the cross of Calvary. The Lord Jesus Christ, we're told in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, where he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. Here the scriptures talk about the one who would come and take our sin that we might receive his righteousness. That he died for us that we might be saved. Why did Christ die? First of all, Christ died for our sins. Three things here. In verses 3 and 4. Three things in verses 3 and 4. First of all, we have the death of Christ. The death of the Lord Jesus. Then secondly, we have the burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, we have the resurrection. The glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice first of all. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Then in verse 4, and that he was buried. 
There's his burial. And then in verse 4 again, And that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Notice here, first of all, as I said, the Scriptures are the Old Testament prophets. The Psalms and the prophets and the law all spoke of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says these words, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. They speak about him, they pointed to him, for unto him give all the prophets witness, said Peter. Notice here, friends, we find the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Here's another Christ died for you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. Romans 5 and verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Notice, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. The apostle is looking at the cross work of Christ. And he says he came in due time. He came at the time that the Father had appointed him. That the Father had sent him forth. And there he bled and died on Calvary's tree. But listen, it says that he came in due time. That was when we were yet without strength in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. In other words, when man could not save himself, when woman could not save herself, it means when we had no hope of rescue, no hope of heaven, no hope of glory, no hope of the kingdom of God, we were yet without strength, the depravity of our nature runs through our very veins and the DNA of our being. And yet Christ came to die for us. I think of myself and the life that I lived in the nightclubs and the pubs. I think of myself at 12 years of age being arrested for the first time. 14, the second time. 17, for the third time, 21 for the fourth time. I think of myself standing in the court dock. I think of myself and the drugs that I had taken. I think of how I knew not God, cared not for God. And I think of me in drunken stupors, fighting in the streets and being arrested by the police. I think of me and my drug-fueled habits, yearning, craving, needing more for the next fix, more for the next day, needed it for the next hour. There I was in the weakness of Ken Davidson, without hope, without strength, and yet all the while I didn't know nor realize it that Christ had died for a sinful wretch like me. That Christ had given his life for a sinful wretch like me. Someone unworthy, someone who knew nothing about him, cared nothing for him, 
In fact, I'm ashamed to say I even made jokes about him. And I stood in Corn Market on a Saturday afternoon. And again, I was arrested by the police because I attacked the street preachers. Friend, I'll tell you, Christ loved me in spite of me. And there Christ knew that he had died for me and shed his blood for me. And one day, the Holy Spirit of God would quicken me and awaken me to the things of God. And he would draw me to the cross where Christ had paid my debt. When I was yet without strength, you can say that, friend. You can say that, brother, and you can say that, sister. And friend, if you're not saved tonight, you can say that. That you're without strength, you're without hope, and you cannot save yourself. But rather, you must trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. You must come under the fountain of blood that he shed for us. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. William Cooper was right when he penned that. He realized he was a sinner in need of a saviour. And Christ was the only saviour. And there he says, it's under the blood, friend. It's only through the blood. It's only by the blood of Christ. And what he has done on the tree of Golgotha. Are you washed in the blood tonight? Are you washed in the blood? Have you been purged by the blood of the Lamb? Friend, I can tell you. I was good at my sports up to a point till I gave my life fully and holy to the devil and he ruined my life. The thief cometh not. John 10 and 10, Jesus said. The thief, the devil cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what he did with me and he's done with many here. That's what he's done with people on this platform and that's what he's done with people on the cars. That's what he's done with many people who are now in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil came to steal, to kill and to destroy. But here's the gospel. Here's the good news. He didn't finish there. He says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Oh, friend, he gives you life more abundantly. But he also gives you eternal life. Everlasting life. Oh friend, do you know him? Do you know this Christ tonight? Is he your own Lord and personal Savior? Christ died for our sins. Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't wait till I tried to make my life better. He didn't wait till I tried to get things in order. And he didn't wait, as it were, I got all my ducks in a row. And I was such a good man, friend. He took me out of a horrible pit. And from the merry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And hath established my goings. Put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. And many shall see it and shall fear. And shall trust in the Lord. Said the psalmist and said, me tonight. And many offers. Yes, friend, he can do for you what he's done for us. There was an old cowboy singer, and he was called Stuart Hamblin. And it was away in the 1920s into the 30s. 
And there he was invited to go to a gospel tent crusade one time. And there a young preacher called Billy Graham was preaching. And he heard the gospel. He heard the saving grace in Christ. He heard the good news. And there he gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a gambler. He was a drinker. And there his life changed when he came across the Lord Jesus Christ. One day, walking up Hollywood Boulevard in California, he was walking with John Wayne. And John Wayne said to Stuart Hamblin, what is this I hear about you hitting the sawdust trail, he called it. And this is the words he said. Stuart Hamblin turned to John Wayne and he says, John, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you. That's who wrote that song. He wrote it under the inspiration of the gospel in Christ. And he wrote it under the inspiration led by the Spirit. It is no secret what God can do. What he done for others, he can do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. Have you received mercy tonight? Have you received the mercy of God? We speak much of grace. Thank God for it. But it's mercy we need. People say there's no justice. There's no justice. Friend, I can tell you, if you and I got justice, you and I would be cast into hell. If you and I got justice, God's justice, we'd be lost for all eternity and cast into hell. It's not justice we got. We receive mercy. Mercy found us. Mercy is when we do not get that which we do deserve. And we deserved hell, but we didn't get it. We received mercy. Yes, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He waited for I got time made my life better. No, friend, he saved me. He saved many here. A rotten, filthy, wretched, hell-deserving sinner. And there... He drew me with irresistible grace. With irresistible grace to the cross of Christ. He works in the life that the man and the woman can no longer resist the moving of the Holy Ghost in them. And he shows them their need of salvation. And shows them the Lamb of God who bear away their sin. The Lord Jesus Christ. Friend. I can tell you tonight, he doesn't wait until you make yourself better. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can give that you will make yourself worthy before a holy God. Yes, he calls you as you are and brings you to a place of repentance. And there he saves you under the blood, under the fountain of blood shed by our Lord Jesus Christ. So Christ died for our sins. Christ died for the ungodly. Thirdly. Romans 5 and verse 8 says. But God. Commendeth his love toward us. Notice in that way. We were yet sinners. Yet sinners. Christ died. For us. I have to tell you here friend. That the word here. To manifest his love. God manifests his love. People think God's love 
is just everybody being happy. No, it's not. You can be happy all your days and go to hell. You can be happy all your life and still be lost. That's not the love of God, giving you money and pleasures, mansions and so on and so on. No, friend, the love of God was manifest. The love of God was exhibited, it means. He exhibited his love. He showed his love. He proved his love. In fact, it means the love of God stood with me. The love of God stood with me. That's what it means. The love of God was manifest in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus, who bled and died for us. The love of God was manifest. It stood with me. God loved me. Listen, Paul says that Jesus was the Son of God who loved me, he said, and gave himself for me. And I can say that tonight. Many in here can say that tonight. That the Son of God loved me, and he gave himself for me. Listen. It means the love of God stood with us. The love of God stood beside us. Imagine the love of God standing beside someone like me. It's, it's unthinkable. Talking about me, never mind you. I'm talking about me. Imagine the love of God standing beside me. The love of God stayed with me. The love of God has stuck to me. The love of God has kept up with me. The love of God has never left me. The love of God was manifest to me. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Lord Jesus Christ is a manifest, exhibited, displayed and portrayed love of the Father. And there the love isn't about giving this and giving that. It was about giving his life. A ransom for many. I'm glad I can say I'm one of the many. He found me in a desperate state. And he brought me into his banqueting house. And his banner over me is love. He loves you tonight. Child of God, he loves you. Brother, he loves you. Sister, he loves you. He's never left you nor forsaken you. And his love will never abate. He has fixed his love on me. And there from eternity past, he has known me. Fixed his love on me. And the person of his son to die for me. And there he would call me and keep me. I'm kept by the power of God, through faith unto salvation. And I'm glad tonight I can rejoice in the goodness of God. I can rejoice with joy unspeakable, and it's full of glory. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly field. Before we reach the heavenly fiends. Friends, I can tell you, if you give yourself to Christ, he's no disappointment. 
My Savior is no disappointment. Moving quickly and briefly. That's Christ's death, his burial. Verse 4 says, And that he was buried. It took him from the cross. Matthew 27 tells us. They took him down from the cross. Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and pleaded for the body of Jesus. And they took him down from the cross. And we're told they laid him in the tomb. See, friend, he died, he was buried. He died and he was buried. He didn't swoon. Some people like to think, well, Jesus swooned on the cross. He fainted. He had a a wonderful way of stopping his heartbeat. It was trickery. I can tell you something, friend. When the Roman soldiers were finished at the crucifixion and then they ran the spear through his rib and side into his pericardium sack of his heart, he was dead. He had died. And they made sure by putting the spear into his side and there forth came out the blood and the water. There is a fountain. That's it. And Christ had died and they took him and he was buried. He was buried. I love it when the hymn writer says, Living, he loved me. Thank you, Jesus. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. And one day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Jesus was buried. They rolled the stone over the tomb. They set a seal upon it and a guard. He was dead. And he was buried. I love this, friend. Before we touch on the resurrection, I love this. I love it whenever Peter says, in Acts 2 and 27, he's preaching the day of Pentecost. And he says, quoting from Psalm 16 and verse 10, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Here he's speaking of the scriptures. He was buried the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. He says, it was spoken off before it happened. Thou will not leave my soul in hell, the grave, the region of the damned or the dead. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Friend, we know and we believe on the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on the third day. And I can tell you, this fits in with the next part of the resurrection. Time is running on. Because you see, the Lord Jesus was raised the third day. And in the days of our Lord Jesus, in the heat of the sun, many were buried there and then. They were taken and buried straight after they died. But our Lord Jesus was laid in a tomb. And third day, he rose again. Listen. On the third day, he rose because they believed that on the fourth, corruption set into the body. Remember when Lazarus had died and his sisters came to the Lord Jesus and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother not have died. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Well, remember they, one of them says that he's dead already four days, and by now he stinketh. He's rotting. He's stinking. The body's stinking, and Jesus called Lazarus out from the tomb. They believed after three days it was corruption set in. Filling, fulfilling the word of the Spirit about the Son of God right to the very T. Thou wilt not leave my soul in the grave. Neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. And here, up from the grave he arose. On the third day, he did not see any corruption. For he was raised on the day that the Lord had said he would rise. How did he say he would rise? He said there be no sign given but for the prophet Jonas as he was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights so would the Son of Man speaking of himself be in the belly of the heart of the earth. And he rose on the third day with no corruption. Here is the gospel to you friend. Here's what we're saying. The Lord Jesus Christ is not on a cross. He's not on a crucifix. The Lord Jesus Christ is not in a grave. He's not in a tomb in the Holy Land. The Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And Jesus is alive. And he's ascended into glory. And there he intercedes as our great high priest. The right hand of the majesty on high. We're saying this tonight. That Jesus Christ liveth and abideth forever as the word of God lives and abides forever. For he is the word of the Father. I want to finish in a moment. Thank you for your attention. I want to look at the resurrection. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. Notice this. In 1 Corinthians 15. If you were to read on down from verse 12 right through, it speaks of the resurrection of the body of Christ. The resurrection of the believers in Christ. Glory to God. Because he lives, we shall live also. In verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you're yet in your sins. I can tell you something, friend. The Russellites, who call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses, they say there is no resurrection of the body. That Christ did not resurrect from the dead. Islam says he wasn't God and he didn't die. So then there's no resurrection either of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Bible argued and the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the body. But Paul is saying here, if Christ isn't risen, 
If he isn't risen bodily, then you and I are preaching our faith is in vain. And we're still in our sins. Brothers and sisters and friends, I'll tell you tonight, I believe not just what God says, I believe in everything God says from cover to cover. And this book tells me that Jesus rose from the dead and that he is alive after the power of an endless life. And it tells me that he showed himself after many infallible proofs resurrected from the dead for 40 days and for 40 nights. And it tells me that even his half-brother James would not believe until he seen him bodily in form. And then he believed. Friend, I'll tell you, this is good news tonight. And I'll read the beginning of this chapter, and that's me finished. Chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Maybe you've never heard. I've never heard of the resurrection of the dead. Read on. 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of the resurrection. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, he says. Read it. I've never heard it before. Never heard the good news of salvation from a wickedness. From all of us sin. And friend, I'll tell you tonight, you can be saved right where you're sitting. Or you can see me at the corner and I'll talk to you about your soul. Are you saved tonight? Are you saved? Then I'll ask you what church you go to. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you washed in the blood? Have you received the word, the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul? Receive it into your heart. As the Holy Spirit, with irresistible grace, called you, dealing with you, drawing you. Then, friend, fight no longer. For today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. For today is the day of salvation. May God bless his word to you. And we will be there waiting to talk to you if you want to speak about your soul and your eternal welfare. May God bless his word to each and every one of us. Thank you for this attendance. It's mighty tonight. It's wonderful. It's great to see each and every one of you. We're going to sing something.